See all of my latest positions and get a trade alert anytime I buy or sell anything. Only on TradingWithCody.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of Trade with Cody. Cody Underground. Cody Underground. Hey, you gotta get it right, Piper. Little theme music from Piper. I gotta get focused here. We got stocks, economy, cryptocurrencies, not so much. I don't think we're gonna talk too much about cryptocurrencies for a little while. Um, well, you know, I think one of the things we might as well hit on because it is so much in the news is the immigration policies and the separating of children from their families. And, you know, every time I read, as you guys know, I, 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 I am not partisan. I'm anti-partisan. And so when I read news, I'm always trying to objectively think through, I don't know, even just I'm trying to objectively sort of realize the trend. Both sides, once again, are wrong and right. Essentially, Jeff Sessions said, look, we're going to have a zero tolerance policy. We're going to enforce the laws on the books, which I think is great. I want us to enforce laws on the books. I don't know why there's a law on the books that separates children from their families. I think that is awful. And frankly, the bigger point is if you're going to pretend that you're enforcing laws and you've got zero tolerance, then enforce the corporate laws in this country too. We've got antitrust laws that are clearly not enforced as Fox and Disney and Comcast are rolling up the last bastions of media and newspapers and news. We've got bank laws that are still suspended from 2008 and the emergency measures and every single one of which that the Federal Reserve and Congress and the Senate and the president of, at the time, Bush and then Obama, both were active in bailing out and not enforcing laws and suspending rule of law for banks in 2008. So look, let's have zero tolerance. If you want to have zero tolerance at the border, I expect you to have zero tolerance at the bank. But that's not the way it works, is it? So look, both sides are right, both sides are wrong. Look, go change the laws, make it a merit-based system, whatever, and enforce the laws. But be consistent enforcing in enforcing those laws. Enforce the laws against rich, white, Bankers enforce the laws against poor people in the inner city, enforce the laws against me, enforce the laws against Trump, enforce the laws. We are a country 
that is supposedly based on rule of law. I have zero tolerance for lawbreakers at banks. I have a little bit more tolerance for families who have immigrated thousands of miles escaping hardship and oppression and looking for opportunities. I got a little more empathy for that. If you're going to suspend rule of law a little bit, I don't know, whatever, just enforce the laws. Frankly, that is my take. Have you seen the laws in our country and our city, our county, our state, federal, UN, global, from global to federal, to state, to county, to city, to my neighborhood, we've got laws that are not being enforced. Enforce them. Zero tolerance. Think about it. I don't know what that has to do with the stock market, though. I don't know what it has to do with stocks or your money, except that it does speak to the broader policies of this country. And one of the things that I come back to all the time and people get confused about is how I always say that Republicans and Democrats are just corporatists. And they basically have the same thrust of policy, whether it's wars and bombing people, including children in the Middle East, whether it's immigration laws, open, enforcing and not enforcing, writing new laws, changing old ones, whether it's tax policies or health care. They are all doing things in an economic sense, the exact same. And that's what I'm seeing. When I see trillions of dollars of policy that from the military industrial complex to bank bailouts, to ongoing bank welfare, to endless corporate targeted tax tricks, whether new tax bill or the old Obamacare, those things are all written and designed by giant corporations. The laws themselves were written by them, the giant corporations. And meanwhile, the Democrats and Republicans then glom on to social issues like immigration and children at the borders and separate. And then they're like, okay, well, if you want to be liberal, you got to be Democrat. Doesn't matter that every economic policy and most any other policy from the Democrats, frankly, are written by corporations. And the same is true for the Republicans. But the social issues are what they use to separate and create power of party. So it does matter. Going back to the immigration issue, you see, it doesn't matter to the stock market per se, but it does underscore right slash left and how the vast majority of Americans are subjected to being corralled. The vast majority of Americans are corralled into one party or the other, or the other based on 
social issues, not economic issues. Economic issues are what matter the stock market. So when you see social issues, know that that's not necessarily relevant to the stock market. It's always the policies and every policy. This has been my overriding theme in my entire investment life, 20 something years. 22 years ago, I went to Wall Street. I used to work in these offices 25 years ago, by the way. And working here again. But in my entire lifetime, the thrust of every policy, every law passed from Republicans or Democrats has been one of redistributing wealth, creating protections or artificial barriers for giant corporations. I have profited on that, and so have my subscribers and my old hedge fund investors, but I fight it socially and politically. And that continues. It's not like that has stopped. Right here in 2018, every policy that is debated, every law that is passed is based upon someone who will benefit monetarily from that. And they're the ones who created it. A few weeks ago, this gets how crazy politicized this stuff gets. A few weeks ago, I actually put up a post on Facebook that said, who are these companies running these private detention centers that are separating and or holding the children that are being separated from their parents? I just wanted to follow the money because the people who are the corporations that are running those detention centers, I guarantee are lobbying now for more of the same policy and more money to come into it. And lo and behold, by the way, Yahoo News did a big article last night, expose that went and found the companies that are running those centers and talked about, actually found the contracts they signed with the federal government to run them. 90 something million dollars of your taxpayer dollars are what are running those facilities. It's always follow the money. And who's got the money? Billionaires and giant corporations. So, anyway, it's why I continue to say there's a bubble-blowing bull market dynamic that underscores everything in the economy. Because those are what the policies from both Republicans and Democrats are, so, are focused on. Simple as that. All right, let's talk. Let's take some questions and answers now. Cody, your thoughts on Tesla, please. If I remember well, some time ago you mentioned Piper. Did you call into the conference call? You were so excited about playing guitar. Didn't call in the conference. There are people trading with Cody subscribers, I guarantee, have been in there not hearing. They're hearing that music. The holding music. Anyway, 
Cody, your thoughts about Tesla, please. If I remember well, some time ago you mentioned as a pet Tesla as a potential buy, but no more discussion since then. It is hated and shorted. It reminds me of Amazon around 350 bucks. No profits in sight at the time, but they revolutionized. Could Tesla follow and deliver? Seems like they did already in other business, battery storage in Australia, spaceship, etc. Now, let's be sure to separate Tesla from Elon Musk. Tesla doesn't run spaceship businesses. They did acquire another Elon Musk controlled company. Is that solar SFO? I can't remember what the symbol was. But anyway, it's a solar company, and Tesla and Elon did roll those two companies up. But we should separate Tesla from Elon. Is it just music? Okay, people are on there. Just put it on speaker and set it down if you would, please. Um, so, look, I was bearish on Tesla, and if you even go back and search YouTube, I'm sure you can find a clip of me going after Tesla executives back in 2008 on my TV show because they had taken a $500 million welfare loan from the government. And I rightly was like, you know, if we're going to spend welfare, $500 million on welfare, I don't know why I'm giving it to rich corporations that should be able to raise that money in the private market. Instead of if I'm going to take $500 million and spend on taxpayer money, spend it on like children cancer research. I was mocked business insider, I think, on that. But I'm proud of it. I stand by that statement. At any rate, I've been bearish on Tesla for a long time because of that. Because they were dependent on welfare and building their business and government subsidies, including the what $8,000 welfare check that you get if you're rich enough to buy the Tesla car. What kind of sense does that make? So I've never owned Tesla and probably never will. But that being said, I wrote a, a mea culpa a couple of years ago to my trade with Cody subscribers because frankly, Tesla's a name I should have been in. It's a revolutionary kind of company. If you overlook the subsidies and welfare, which you have to look overlook no matter what company you're investing in because they're all paying less than a small business. That's what subsidies are. So um, they're being subsidized by the hard working small business and middle class. Tesla don't own it. Wouldn't short it. Wouldn't buy it. Sometimes you can just throw up your head and say, it's not for me. I can't decide whether I like Elon Musk or whether I can't stand him. Sort of how I feel about the stock. I tried to separate the two, but I guess I can't. Um, hi, Cody. You often say that you prefer gold coins to miners or to the GLD. What is your preferred way to purchase gold coins? The only reason that I prefer, wait, I'm sorry, the only reason I often say that I prefer gold coins to gold miners or the GLD is because I get asked that question by new Trading with Cody subscribers invariably. 
at least once every couple of months. I've got several, who knows how many new people on the site, who doesn't he? And some of them are going to talk about solar, and we'll get into these discussions. Some of them are going to talk about gold. We'll get into these discussions. So I have to repeat myself. I'm sorry. But essentially, let's back up. The reason why I like gold bullion or gold coins more than a gold miner stock or the GLD is a certificate, a paper promise, a digital promise, frankly, at this point, an emailed promise from these too big to fail banks that needed bailouts and couldn't meet their obligations like meeting the goal that would be demanded at an ETF GLD. You have to trust that these banks have not taken the gold that is supposed to be physically backing that ETF and moved it. You have to trust that they haven't issued 18 different certificates to different people for that one bar of gold. I don't trust any of that. Look, in a bad time, the next time there's a financial crisis, the whole reason you would want to own gold is for the next time there's a financial crisis. And the next time there's a financial crisis, I don't know if the banks are going to meet their obligations on GLD paper digital promises, but I know that full gold bullion or gold coins that I would have somewhere stored that I could personally go get, not necessarily in a bank deposit box for the same reason. Next time there's a solar flare and I want to go get use my gold to buy some food, I don't want to go and hope that the GLD trades. I could get cash. So that's actually just real quick another point. I tell all, when I do these deep dives for trading with Cody subscribers and I talk to them and go through their portfolios and their sort of outlook for the next 10,000 days of their lives, when I do that, I'm... I tell people, you should have a month's worth of cash and a few thousand dollars worth of gold and silver, somewhere physically accessible, just in case there is a solar flare, just in case Russian hackers take down the electronic grid, electrical grid, just in case there's something bad that happens, you just have, it's a backup plan. So GLD ain't going to do you no good in that case. Now let's talk gold miners. You guys ever watch Gold Rush? Piper, you ever watch that show Gold Rush? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've learned a lot watching Gold Rush, just about gold mining. I have no idea that that's really, you know, you're washing dirt and this stuff. And the other thing that gold, Rush underscores, or even uh, Bering Seagold. That's I actually like Bering Seagold better than Gold Rush. I don't have often time to watch any of these, but I love to when I get a chance. At any rate, gold miners are idiots. Like a lot of people running gold mines are not people I want to bet my money on. And unless you're going to go personally meet the management at that gold company, 
why risk it? If you want to bet on gold, bet on gold. If you want to invest in an equity in a company, why a gold miner? There's better things to do. So with your money, that is. And so my question, my, my other point that I would make is every gold miner stock that I look up has billions of dollars of debt. Which, number one, underscores the fact that management at those places have been wildly overpaying themselves or they wouldn't have been on a borrowing bench. Number two, they're all dependent upon gold staying above this level or so, say $1,300, say $1,200 or more, is what the gold miners out there right now need just to meet their debt obligations, pay the interest. So what if gold runs down to a thousand bucks at some point in the next three years or $800 for a year or two? The gold miners, gone, my gold coins, whatever. I mean, they were worth $1,300 right now. It's not like I'm, or an ounce, it's not like I'm gonna go sell them. And if it's at $800 an ounce, I'm not gonna go sell them. I'm not, they're, they're, Look, in my lifetime, I do expect gold to go up at least five or tenfold from its current levels. Why? Because the Republican Democrat regime Federal Reserve. It's a fiat currency. We have an incredible 10-year, eight or nine-year, eight or nine-year economic expansion happening right now. Yet we're borrowing more than a trillion dollars a year. The government is taking my children's and my grandchildren's money and borrowing a trillion dollars, running it through the economy, through the system, sending it to Obamacare companies, sending it to Trump care companies, sending it to the Trump tax bailout, sending it to social welfare programs. Speaking of which, social welfare programs like Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps are one-tenth the annual spent on corporate welfare and stadium welfare and billionaire welfare programs. We're borrowing a trillion dollars a year right now in the best economic, the largest GDP itself. Real GDP. We're doing $20 trillion, give or take, of economic activity. And we're going to borrow still trillions. That will hurt the value of the dollar relative to gold in my lifetime. Gold will go up five or tenfold. Not now, not tomorrow. Next financial crisis might double or triple, and then the next financial crisis might double or triple again. So in the next 10,000 days, 30 years, maybe 50 years, how long am I gonna live? I'm 45, what do you think, Do I get to 100? You got at least 50 left. Hard work, clean living, man. You're almost halfway there. So, going back to the guy, you wanna invest in gold, it's, it's valuable to do that anyway. 
But then, you know, you develop a relationship and the guy might be like, hey, I got some gold coins in. I need to unload, you know, and you can pick stuff up off occasionally. So um, that is the best way. Going back to that guy's question. Next question. Since this market seems to be relatively herky-jerky, up and down, depending on people's quirky response to the news, yet your general attitude, Cody, seems to be prepared for a major softening. It's a contradictory term there. Perhaps soon. Would you be thinking of adding to the triple Q and spy puts on any interim market blip-up? It was so tempting to do so just a few days ago. I know these puts are a general hedge of our existing portfolio, and they ha and I have a portion of those set aside for that purpose. But would it be wrong to take an additional small portion to play the relatively high percentage changes in our markets? Long question. And... I think, number one, let's address this major softening term, which is ironic and funny, really, when you think about it, oxymoronic, because softening indicates it's not major. So I don't think, those are mutually exclusive. That's not oxymoronic, it's actually just mutually exclusive. So, question was, well, let's just back up. I mean, I, that's a, this is a long question. And so I think the only way I can answer is sort of talk about the market outlook a little bit here and say, look, as I was speaking to earlier, it's not like I think the bubble blowing bull market is over and that you should be panicked out and selling or anything. But the flip side of that was that 10 years ago, we had an app revolution that had just about to start. And as I used to write about and invest for at the time and talk about on my TV show, frankly, in 2008, 2009, 2010, was you've got, at the time you had nobody using smartphones and you had billions of people that were about to start using smartphones over the next 10 years. That on an economic perspective, was incredibly helpful to the productivity of our society. Now, again, the Republican Democrat regime has siphoned most of that productivity out through bank bailouts and trillion-dollar corporate welfare packages, redistributed that productivity, trillions of dollars of productivity enhancements that the smartphone and the app revolution provided to you. Um, so I guess here's the point that we just, we've been through a huge bubble bloom, bubble blowing bull market for 10 years. We've had incredible revolutionary things happening. We still have some new burgeoning revolutionary things happening like artificial intelligence, driverless cars, driverless cars. I'm writing a book about it with Tim McCullough. And 
we had put a number of two to three trillion dollars of annual economic increased output because of the driverless revolution saving people time, money, and energy, enabling you to never have to drive, enabling you to work or talk or communicate or play or consume movies, create economic output, no matter where you are or where you're traveling. So, on top of that, you've got the bubble-blowing bull markets. All this stuff is happening, but it's long in the tooth. So I just think you want to be cautious. I just don't think the risk-reward of Netflix at 400 or around even padded, wherever that is at this moment, is nearly as good as it was at 40. I don't think NVIDIA at 260 is as good as it was at 30. And I just think you want to have a little more cash. I think you want to be a little more cautious. I don't think you want to be bearish. So no, I'm not about to go load up on puts or something. I just am preaching caution. When times are good. Be scared when times are great. Be aggressive and opportunistic when the economy is bad. Cody, do you have a view on Roku's long-term prospects? It's an interesting company because they've got several different subscription revenue models, and now they, just the other day or yesterday maybe it was, I was reading that they're launching Amazon-like channels. You've seen Amazon channels. Roku's is going to have channels now. Um, I don't like the valuation of Roku here, so I'm not about to buy it, but I do like Roku's long-term prospects, to answer your question. Cody, what's your take on all the new PayPal acquisitions? Also, how do you feel about Square? Um, frankly, I haven't been paying attention to PayPal. I don't own it, don't want to own it use their service, tradingwithcody.com, and I have been a long, displeased, disgruntled customer of PayPal. But nonetheless, uh, there, the other part of your question was Square. I like Square. Um, it's like Netflix, a stock that I kick myself for not having owned because I've talked about it as an app revolution play. And it really did a great job, Square, and uh, obviously Netflix. I'd like, I, I would buy Square. I would probably never buy PayPal. To answer your question more specifically. Cody, any thoughts on Lionsgate Films as content space continues to heat up? Good things for Sony ahead based on the outcome of Fox? Look, consolidation in a sector always boosts profits. Less competition is great for the corporation and its shareholders, terrible for the customers. So, um, I look over here, I see Trump talking in my background and I got distracted and I forgot the question. Oh, oh. so the media sector, it, 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 yes, consolidation is good for Sony. Um, 
the, the content is king. As I used to say back on Cutlow and Kramer back in 2002, 2003, 2004, that there's as distribution, as the cost to distribute content has dropped to zero via the internet. So you don't have to pay for a subscription cable service. You don't have to go to a movie to consume a content. As distribution of content, as the cost of distribution of content has dropped to zero, the value of the content has obviously skyrocketed. So, that is why I've owned Sony for five years and why I continue to own it. Lionsgate, it's, I, Lionsgate's been stumbling management-wise, like execution-wise, they need some more hits. Um, I'd rather own Sony than Lionsgate. And I do own Sony, not Lionsgate. Cody, what about TST? TheStreet.com, baby! Dave Calloway, shout out! The Street just sold their, one of their subsidiaries, Rate Watch, to S&P... So that's standard and pours for 33 and a half million bucks. And then the street's going to walk away with $32 million cash out of this deal. Now the street, this is a small cap stock guys. So don't go out and buy the stock right now. Don't go crazy. You'll move it. When, when I sent out a trade alert a year ago, a year and a half ago to trade with Cody subscribers, telling them that I was, for the first time almost ever buying a penny stock looking stock, the street, it was worth $30 million. The company had $33 million or so of cash in their checking account. The stock market was saying that the street would never come back. They would use all that money up and it would basically, they would destroy the value. That's why the stock was trading for less than the amount that the company actually had of cash. Side note, Apple, March 2003, stock's trading at a dollar. They had a dollar 30 per share of net cash. Same sort of situation. Martin was saying that Steve Jobs would never create value. We were wrong. I thought the same thing about the street because David Calloway had come in. I, I was discovered, frankly, by Jim Cramer. I mean, I owe my media career to Jim. He published me first time. He put me on TV the first time. Helped me launch the hedge fund. And he's the founder of the street. So, and large shareholder. So, at any rate, the stock's trading for less than cash. We bought some. They just sold one of their subsidiaries for more cash then the entire company was valued at a year and a half ago. Great job, David Calloway. That's why the stock has gone from under a dollar to almost two dollars. It's not been an NVIDIA kind of home run or oxygen kind of home run for us, but yeah, man, nice pop today, and I'm quite impressed with their fundamental execution. Um, Cody, will the trade war and tariffs affect Tech companies that make hardware in China. For example, Apple makes their products in China and have their supply design. 
as if Apple China as if Apple is a China subsidiary. No, as if the Apple China subsidiary is selling to the Apple U.S. subsidiary for a significant amount. If tariffs impact the selling price, this would affect Apple's margin. Correct? Question mark. Answer. Yes. That is what I've been talking about since the very first moment that Trump started talking about tariffs and trade wars. You can't even be, you can't be the leader of the so-called free world and start talking about tariffs without, and start talking about trade wars without starting a trade war. The minute you talk, he talked about it, that is the first shot of the war. And since that time, that's all I talk about when I talk about the trade wars. Friendly fire, fog of war, unintended consequences. Absolutely, these are real problems. Real and developing problems. Yet another reason I want to be just a little more cautious right now, because that is a new economic problem, a new profit problem, that has not coalesced yet, but is certainly recognizable as a possibility and looking increasingly likely. And if Tim Cook, which he said, he, he's, he's on crack if he thinks he can tell his shareholders like me that he knows that Apple is not going to be affected by this tariff and trade war stuff. Uh-uh, man. Six months from now, Apple could very well be suffering in a multitude of ways. What if China itself starts playing nasty and disrupting Apple's supply chain itself? I mean, there are lots of bullets that China has in this trade war. Their Minister of Finance, by the way, said that very thing Monday night after the news came out that Trump was putting new tariffs of $500 billion, buying both dollars worth of Chinese goods. It's easy for you to say, Cody. You know what's easy for you to say, Cody? It's easy for you to say, it's easy for you to say when you stumble like that. That is such a, like, a stereotypical anchor journalist thing to say. Anytime someone on TV stumbles trying to read their script or just talk like I just did, next thing that, well, it's easy for you to say. Yes. Come up with a new joke, man. I'm talking to me right now and all you journalists. Cody, big report this week. Lots of questions about this. I'm glad I finally found one here. Uh, specifically talking about how Intel is going to lose share in the laptop and server markets to AMD. Intel has acknowledged as much in servers. Has anyone here read the report? Yes, I didn't read the actual report, but I read more parts of it. I read uh, some uh, media reports on it. Uh, I don't even need to see the whole thing. But none of that is news. Intel has been struggling. That's why the stock has gotten 
nowhere in 18 years. Intel still has a smaller market cap today, is worth less today than it was in the year 2000 at the top of the dot-com bubble. Now, granted, it was bubbled up and overinflated at that top, but Amazon also crashed 90% and the dot-com crash and is now up 12,000% from its lows at the bottom of the dot-com crash. Meanwhile, Intel's 300% from its very lows bottom of the dot-com bubble. So, I know that Intel hasn't struggled. I know it's been losing market share, but more importantly, we're looking at the future. When you're investing in a stock, you're looking at the future. So what's the future hold for Intel? Well, we're betting that Intel's driverless and Internet of Things initiatives, and frankly, flip it. AMD and NVIDIA are dominating artificial intelligence in the server area. Well, Intel's targeting them in that right now. That's not this month, but maybe in two years, Intel could have better artificial intelligence processors, graphic processors than AMD and NVIDIA. I'm not expecting it, but it could happen. I am expecting Intel to make billions of dollars on driverless platform, and I'm expecting Intel to make billions of dollars in internet things, stuff. So I own stock. It's up from about 30, 33, I think we bought it at first try. And about 55. Am I worried about Intel? Absolutely. I'm worried about everything. Have you been listening to me for an hour? Piper, I'm writing down here. I want to get your guitar out for the theme song outro. Pressure's on, bro. I hope you came up with something over while you're sitting there. All right, guys. Um, let me make sure I don't have any emailed questions. Anybody on the conference call have a question? Hello? You guys there? questions because you were late dialing in. Oh, what do you got? Hey, how are you? Say that again. Uh, energy company? Give me the symbol. I didn't hear you still. M-E-D? M-E-D. Now, if Google will quit auto-filling my stuff in for me. Next era, energy. All right, let's do some quick analysis at it. Why not? Stock's been... Okay. I mean, this again, this underscores what a bubble-blowing bull market it's it has been when Nextera has doubled in the last five years, and I'm like, eh, it's just okay. Um, you got a 3% dividend. Look, man, the reason why I, I'm obviously 
not terribly familiar with Nextera is the same reason I'm not familiar or terribly familiar with any energy company and the kind of detail you would want me to be in order to give you advice of one versus the other because I don't like energy as a revolution. I don't like it as an investment sector. It's not revolutionary. If anything in energy is revolutionary, it would be solar, and I own solar, two solar stocks. Go to trainingcody.com if you want to know what they are. Um, and not you, sir. I know you're a Training Cody sub because you're on the phone there with me. I was talking on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, but freeloaders. Anyway, another question. Um, the, the, look, I mean, what is what is the potential upside of NextEra? To maybe double again in the next five years? Um, what if, you know, I, I, I'd rather own stocks that can go up fivefold or tenfold. Um, my, I would rather own Verizon as my kind of NextEra stock than own NextEra. Does that help you at all? Okay, well, good. I'm sure that's not terribly what you were hoping and looking for, but, you know, um, I just, you know, I've been saying this for off and on since I bet Donald Trump Jr. on live TV that oil would see 30 before it would see 150 At the time, it was at $125. Everybody thought that Next era would be a great investment, or whatever energy company would be the greatest investment ever, since peak oil was taking oil to five hundred dollars or whatever people were writing and expecting at the time. And we bet, by the way, Donald Trump Jr.'s inheritance versus mine. I shook my hand on national TV, and oil fell to thirty. Less than ninety days later. Boy, my inheritance is getting very valuable these days now that I'm running since my, what do you call it in, uh, like in uh, a Dickens story, the guy. T-Doc, here's the question, Cody, T-Doc is also another seemingly potential revolutionary healthcare stock. The inevitable way of the future that is already solidly being used by many clinics and companies that work in healthcare. This isn't a question, this is actually just a suggestion. I'll check out T-Doc. All right, that's 51 minutes, summertime. You guys see I was actually wearing shorts? Maybe you can see it the whole time. All right, Pipe, we'll play this out.